0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series Mission Possible. As Christians, we are called to be on mission, longing and working to see God known and worshipped by people from every culture, from our own city to the ends of the earth. Uh, Today's text is going to be Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we are nearing the end of our series here, Mission Possible. And uh, today we're going to look at the strategy of mission from here to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, all the scriptures I'll be talking about will be up here on the screen. Uh, I'll be using the New International Version today. Hear now the word of the living God. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I've called uh, this teaching the strategy of mission because there's a big difference between strategy and tactics. Having studied this in the military, strategy refers to a careful plan or method for achieving a particular goal, usually over a really long period of time. It is the big picture what is it we are trying to accomplish for example in world war ii part of our strategy was that europe took primacy over the pacific that was one of our things and so when it came down to how we were going to allocate resources the strategy had already been dictated that the first task was to defeat germany and then we would turn our full might towards japan tactics on the other hand is the individual decisions and actions on smaller situations for how are we going to get this strategy done? So when you're actually down into a battle within your overall strategy, the tactic is, well, how are we going to take this hill to accomplish winning this battle, to accomplish uh, winning, uh, accomplishing our strategy? So to succeed, you got to have both strategy and tactics. Strategy, the big picture, only works if you actually have tactics on the ground to say, well, this is how we're going to implement that. But If you don't have strategy, you lack direction, you spread yourselves too thin, and you never really can accomplish much of anything because you don't really have an overall goal of where you're going. So the question we want to answer today is, we've been talking about the mission that Jesus has given us. Well, what's the strategy for accomplishing that mission? And then I guess I could use the phrase, what are the tactics for how BRCC is trying to implement that strategy? What are we trying to do? To actually accomplish the strategy uh, strategy that jesus has given us for the mission of god so let's turn to the text the biblical strategy for mission once again as we've been seeing throughout this series it's good to know it's not up to us to come up with the strategy god has not only given us the mission we didn't have to come up with that and we don't even have to come up with the strategy for how to accomplish the mission god has also given that to us and he did it just as jesus is ascending and he is speaking to the apostles, he lays out the strategy for how the church is to accomplish the mission of taking the gospel to all the earth. Well, what he tells us first off is the strategy for mission requires power from the Spirit of God. The first part of the strategy is that there has to be power from the Holy Spirit. Notice Jesus tells the apostles, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The mission is only accomplished in the power of God's Spirit. This is why the Holy Spirit is actually given. He tells us here the Spirit's not given for all the other things that people like to fixate on regarding the Holy Spirit. He says the Spirit's going to come on you and give you power so that you will be my witnesses, so that you will be able to accomplish the mission. Now, I, I... i'm pointing this out to us today before we move on to a little bit more of the specific strategy because this is imperative for our culture to understand you remember the apostles were asking other questions here in acts 1 and jesus ignores those questions and says here's the question you ought to be asking how are you going to have power for the mission well i'm going to tell you the answer to the question you should have asked and that's that the holy spirit's going to come on you well it was important for them if it's ever been important or the church in history it is important right now particularly the church in the west and specifically in america our culture thinks if you have a proper business methodology it will guarantee success that is the idol of our age and i'll give you a secret that works in business and if the church were a business all we would need was those business strategies and marketing principles and it would all work Unfortunately, or fortunately, we're not a business. And therefore, all of that has absolutely zero to do with the mission. It's not how we're going to do it. But it is what we are given to in this culture. It is an idol of our age, and the church worships that foreign god very often. We would rather look to and give ourselves to business and marketing strategies rather than being filled with the Holy Spirit, rather than seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. The power for mission resides in the Holy Spirit and in the gospel, not in our abilities, nor in our methods. And the reason we don't believe that is we forget what the, method, the, the mission is. The mission is go out and speak to valleys full of dead people and see them raised from the dead. Good luck coming up with the business strategy. It doesn't work. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can speak so that the dead live, so that the blind see, so that those whose hearts are stone become hearts of flesh, so that the Word of God is written on the heart, and those who formerly were children of Satan and enemies of God are now children of the living God. There is no strategy that can accomplish it. There is no business principle that can do that. It is the Holy Spirit and the gospel. And so the mission only begins when we are personally walking in and full of the Holy Spirit. To put it in another way, to remind us of a quote I used early in this series by John Piper, you cannot commend what you do not cherish. If you and I are not personally cherishing God and his gospel, we will never be used of God to commend it to others. You cannot, I cannot be Christ's witnesses if our walk is distant and stale. And so the mission, the strategy for mission begins with you and I tomorrow morning when we wake up with whether we get before God and whether we hear from God and whether we decide we're going to walk with Jesus throughout the day. Otherwise, you can't really be involved in mission. It all begins when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And that's why Jesus, in a world that was perishing without the gospel, told the disciples, you need to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And Once the Spirit comes upon you, then the mission will begin. Well, the same is true for the church today. And we would do a lot better in the church if we spend a lot less time trying to figure out our marketing strategies and a lot more time praying and crying out to God for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon us. Second point in the mission is what the mission is here, the strategy of mission is that we are witnesses for Christ. Notice Jesus says in verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Here's the effect of the Spirit coming upon you You will be my witnesses so that is the mission now once again this is important for us to hear today and it's been important for us in the history of the church the mission is not to build our organization not to build our own reputation nor is it to build our power base the mission is to be a witness for Christ it matters little whether you and i whether this church goes down in the annals of history it matters much whether we are witnesses for christ and whether his name is held high and the church in her best hours have been witnesses for christ and in our worst hours and our hours of shame was when it became about us and everything became a power play and we were more interested in us and our institution than we were christ and his gospel the church exists not to witness to itself but to christ and his power to save and again critical in our age because there is much where churches are worried about their own brand and our own place in the marketplace but we are nowhere told to worry about any such thing we are told to be witnesses for christ because here's a bit of shocking news Bay Ridge christian church doesn't save anybody nor does any other church out there. Christ in his gospel, save. Christ, living for us, dying for us, raised for us, seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us, saved. The church does not. And so we're not witnesses to ourselves. Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 4 5. He says, we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. When we do put the light on us, it ought to be a light that we're here to serve you, not to establish our own power base. That is very foreign to the church here in America because it's very foreign to our culture. And we are swept up in the culture in all the wrong ways. And so Jesus here tells us that the mission is to be a witness for him. Now, as we've seen, and I'm not going to take time to do it, to be a witness to Jesus. I'm not going to unpack all this today, but we are witnesses for Jesus by both word and deed, evangelism and mercy ministry. We are witnesses that Christ is both creator and redeemer. He is the Lord of both body and of soul. And so to do this, we speak the good news and we do good works because both of those are essential for the mission of witnessing unto Christ. We give a cup of cold water in his name and we give the gospel in his name. And all of it is concerned with Jesus. It matters not whether we are remembered It matters whether Jesus is remembered. That's what's essential. The um, third point is that we not only are going to have power for mission, our, our strategy is power for mission from the Holy Spirit, that we are to be witnesses to Christ, but there is then an expanding geography of ministry. Notice Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you, you'll be witnesses to me, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the mission starts right where they are. He doesn't tell them, set your eyes on Gaul. He says, start with where you are in Jerusalem. This is local mission. It is local evangelism and local mercy ministry. And in fact, this required very little of the apostles. You're already here. You are in your own culture, your own language, your own people group. You know this place and you start here. And in fact, if we look in the book of Acts, this is exactly what they do from Acts chapter 1 all the way through Acts 7. Acts 1 to 7 is all Jerusalem. Only in Acts 8 through 10 do they go to Judea and Samaria, and then after that to the ends of the earth. And so they start there. You remember last week we spoke about people groups, and it's hard for you and I to get into a different culture. And to understand it well Jesus says the mission starts right where you are and all of us can be involved in that mission but he moves on and says you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem and also all Judea and Samaria for them this was national mission it was like saying you're gonna be my witnesses here in the Annapolis region but also throughout uh, the United States and even if you wanted to call it North America it's extra-local ministry in their nation and in nearby nations. The cultures were similar, but it did require some adaptation. Things are a little bit different. It required going, in fact, where there had been animosity. We read these words very easily when he says Judea and Samaria. But see, the, the apostles would have said, yeah, Holy Spirit, got it, okay? Jerusalem, got it. Judea, got it. Samaria? what do you mean Samaria? Okay, This is the exact opposite of where they want to go. Those are the half-breeds. Those are the people who were not faithful to the covenant. See, we Jews, we went off into exile, and we came back more faithful after the exile than when we went off. But those half-breed Samaritans, See, they interbred with everybody. They had set up their own gods. They've been wrong for a long time. Jesus, I I think you need to rethink this. We haven't even gotten to him talking about the Gentiles yet. Okay? This is a problem. The disciples would have been shocked. And if you remember, the only way they finally get to Samaria is God allows some persecution to rise up. And even then, it's not initially the apostles. He sends Philip in and and then to keep the church together God says but I'm going to withhold the holy spirit from you Samaritans because we're not going to start this whole rivalry thing you're going to wait until the apostles come because there's one church and the spirit's going to be given and you're going to learn to labor and work together and so God calls us not only to see it's we like going to our Jerusalem I like going to people who look and think and act and talk like me and they like the same music I do and eat the same food I do. It's when God starts calling me and saying, see, I don't care about all of that stuff. And I want you to go to the person who does not think like you, who looks differently than you do. They may vote differently politically than you do. They might like different things than you do and actually not like the things that you like. And are you more committed to me Are you more committed to be my witness? Are you more committed to the gospel than your own cultural expression? That's the strategy of mission. And we are called to engage in that way. And see, here's the thing. A Christian living in Jerusalem may never go to Rome back in this day, but they were going to bump into a Samaritan. And Jesus told them, you're not creating your own little Jerusalem club here. This is about you going out. And you, to put it in Paul's terms in 1 Corinthians 9, when you're among the Greeks, you become like a Greek. When you're with the Jews, you become like a Jew. You become all things to all men so that by all possible means some might be saved. You adapt, not them. Because you want the gospel to get to them. And here's another secret. Dead men don't adapt. They're just dead. But they are. But we adapt so that they can hear and so they can respond. And then Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. If the apostles had struggled with this, you remember Peter had a hard enough time when it was down at Samaria. They've had a hard enough time. Then when Peter, in one of the funniest chapters in the Bible, you remember he's got the the vision. He's fasting. And so God gives him a vision. Of course, the vision's full of food except for his food that Peter can't eat. And God says, Peter, rise, kill, eat. And what does Peter say? Lord, I'm going to give you a preview of church history. I'm holier than you are. Okay? You say it's okay for me to eat, but I've never eaten stuff like that. And God says, Peter, don't call what I have called clean unclean. Not up to you, Peter. You go do it. And then after Peter has this vision three times, and the guy shows up and says, an angel came and told us to send for you and all this miraculous stuff, and Peter goes there and preaches the worst sermon. I mean, it is all over the guy. He is not interested. Why did you send for me? You know, I'm not even supposed to come in there. I mean, this is not adapting, okay? You guys are scuzzy Gentiles, and I'm not even supposed to communicate. But God told me not to call you unclean. So I'm only halfway doing it kind of semi-passive-aggressive hostile, okay? And so what does God do? Okay, never mind, Peter. Pours the Holy Spirit out on him, right? And then Peter says, well, (laughs) okie-dokie, I guess. Here we go. And then he baptizes him and he gets back to the church, and the church is all excited about that, right? Because the message is expanding. Is that what the church said? How dare you? We heard you ate with Gentiles. And Peter says, ah, what was I supposed to do? (laughs) I had this vision, I got there, and then God messed the whole thing up. He put the Holy Spirit on without even asking me. Okay, is that not what's going on? And that's what the church has to hear. The mission is gonna require going cross culturally. It requires great sacrifice, prayer, time, finances so that other people groups might hear and believe the gospel and it was not easy for the early church and it's not going to be easy for us we'll see next week the mission costs there is no such thing as a free mission it does not it's free for them to hear and come in it costs god everything And in his providence and in his sovereignty, he tells us there's sacrifice and suffering on the part of the church because it reminds us every time we sacrifice and suffer the greatness of the gospel that we have and how it was all given freely to us. And it required such great cultural adaptation and love for those who were very different from the apostles. Everything You remember last week, and y'all all laughing, the story of the guy holding my hand, because in that culture where guys hold hands, it was far worse for the apostles. You have no idea what it was like for Peter to smell bacon sizzling the first time. And then he thought, it's good to live in the new covenant. <laughs> Very good to live in the new covenant. They struggled with that. It was hard. Read the New Testament. It is over and over again the whole struggle that went on there. And it will be the same way today because the mission requires we are first and foremost about the gospel. And everything else is not even in the top ten. The gospel is one to ten. That's what matters, that people hear the gospel. And I will adapt, and I will do whatever it takes so that they might here. And in the midst of that, there is struggling. I am not comfortable. I don't like some of the things they are saying and doing and all of this. But Jesus, it is about the gospel. And friends, if he could come and walk among us in our sin, we can walk among others who are different than we are. And that's what the gospel requires, the the mission requires. So the strategy of mission is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit for involvement and support in evangelism and mercy ministry at home and abroad to both reached and unreached people groups. That's kind of summarizing everything we've been talking about here. And this right here, this statement, this is what the Christian life is about. It's not about all the other things we want to make it about. It is about we have received this mercy And as we walk with God day by day by day, he is using us to share the good news and to do good works, both here and abroad, with those who've heard the gospel and rejected it, but we're still reaching out to him, and those who have never heard the gospel. And whatever we can do to accomplish that, that is part of the mission. So how's BRCC going to be involved in this? Let me say a couple of things about what we're doing. The first thing is mission begins at home in evangelism and mercy ministry. The mission cannot be outsourced to others. That's another thing we like here in the West, okay? See, I've said for years, because as those of you all know, even though I'm very good with power tools, I don't like using them all that much. So the difference between Linda and I is She would rather do nothing than conceive this thing in her head and get out back and build it. And I tell her, my favorite power tool is a ballpoint pen. To whom do I make out this check? That's what I want to know. Because I outsource this mission. I want somebody else to do that, and I get lots of pleasure writing that check. Okay? The problem is, I can't do that with mission. There's no outsourcing mission. It's not, I'm glad somebody else does that. You and I are called to mission. We have to be personally engaged in the mission of reaching and serving others. Others who might be different than us. Others who we might even be uncomfortable with, and I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say in that moment. Okay? That's what we are called to do. We cannot commend abroad what we don't cherish and commend here at home. If we're not personally commending it, when we try and send off somebody else to do it, we're not really engaged in mission. We're just paying a bill. Now, evangelism and mercy ministry here in the Annapolis area, it all begins with personal evangelism. Let me say that is is the first and foremost thing. You don't have to be an evangelist. This is sometimes, well, I don't have the gift of being evangelist. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to have the gift of being an evangelist. They actually equip all the rest of us to do evangelism. That's what an evangelist actually is. All of us are called to share the good news. Every one of us are called to share with family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers. God has a missionary in your family and at your workplace, And in your neighborhood, it's the person you look at in the mirror every morning. You're on mission. That's what we are. The mission begins with us. And so we can be involved. And you don't have, well, what happens if they bring up that they read something in a Greek manuscript, then pick up the phone and call me and I'll take that one for you. But let me tell you, you will probably go through the rest of your life and not run into that. You know what your neighbors are thinking about? The same things you think about you know what their level of knowledge is somewhat less than yours all of those things are not you don't have to have a phd from oxford to do this it's about telling people jesus lived for us he died for us why do you believe this because he raised himself from the dead and he walked out and he appeared to hundreds of people You you really think that's true? Man, it has worked in my life. I have seen what God has done. That's all that's required for us. It's to reach out and tell people, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come gather with us? If they come here, they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to get it week by week by week. They're going to sing it where they hear come behold the wondrous mystery of what our God has done for us. They're going to sing the glories of Calvary. They're going to hear it taught in the scripture. Invite them. Give a personal testimony of what God is doing in your life. Share the gospel. You never know. I tell you, it was so encouraging the other day. This wasn't evangelism, but we were in the hospital with uh, Brantley, and the doctor was talking to uh, Jeremy and Stacy,
1: and he actually
0: uh, said at one point, he said, listen, when I'm in a time like this, I meditate on a, there's a Bible verse, Isaiah 26.3. You'll keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And we were like, okay, first off, kudos for being bold you don't even know if we're believers or not and jeremy said yeah my dad's a pastor (laughs) i've heard that verse before and then we told him hey that was the verse that linda had up when, when she was in labor with jeremy that was the verse we were meditating on isaiah 26 3 that exact verse okay this guy was just open to be used by god we started talking about where he went to church and all kinds of good stuff about the theology, but he was just being open to reach out right there to a young couple who was struggling because their son was sick. You and I can do the same thing, just reach out with the good news. Now, the other things that we can do is we need to be involved in mercy ministry, and it's very easy. There is a group that goes down to Lighthouse Shelter. Pray for them once a month and go down there and serve once a month. You can see Karen Trossel if you want to be involved in that group. There's a group that goes down to the jail every week. You can see James or Bobby or Greg if you want to be involved going down there. We've got Winter Relief coming up here soon. We've got the Easter egg hunt. We've got the county fair. At the county fair this year, the people sat at the booth. We handed out 450 copies of the Jesus DVD and talk to all kinds of people about the gospel just sitting there in a booth, and they come by, it's easy to do. Now, when you're sitting at the lighthouse shelter and somebody's homeless, they are in a different circumstance than you might be in life right now. Are they really any different than we are? We're all created by God. We're all the image of God. We are all fallen. We are all struggling. We're all in need of the redemption that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. That is all you need in common with anybody. Okay? So it's a great way to be able to reach out. That's where it starts. There are a lot of opportunities to be on mission right at home. That's our Jerusalem and kind of blending into our Judea and Samaria. But there's more. Now we're going to talk about how the church is involved and everybody. If you look on your seat and stuff, you got a little sheet here that we printed out and we're giving you to take home. And I want to say, first off, as we begin to this, number one, thanks to Colleen for all the work that she does on missions. She puts a lot of thought and prayer into our missions work. And I want to thank her publicly for doing that. She spends a lot of time praying and laboring and working so that we are engaged in mission and i want to say thanks to craig this was his brainchild this little map and he did all of the work and he somewhat like my daughter when she makes those videos is probably sick of this map now because it's been through so many iterations this week but he made a lot of copies and i want to thank them for it and i want to encourage you the reason we've given it to you is not to refer to right now because you could have done that on the screen it's so you can take it home put it on your refrigerator or whatever and when you're going in to get a yogurt or a snack see the work that God is doing and ask him to bless it continue to pray for it now notice here we've got some local missions that are in a little bit different color they're kind of like in a little purple color there and uh, that includes Mike and Marcia Sloan with the navigators at the Naval Academy and Chase Wood at the jail and so you can be involved in those pretty easily you don't have to pick up and go anywhere Uh, That's kind of like, again, Judea. It's just right where we're at. You can be involved. You can contact them, and you can do that. And you certainly can be praying for them. And then notice, we've got missions groups around the world. We have folks serving on almost every continent. We're in North America, Central America. We don't have anybody directly in South America. We have folks in Eastern Europe now. We have people in Africa and the Middle East, and we have folks over in Asia. We don't have anybody in Antarctica yet, but we're going to work on that. Um, So there are people working almost everywhere. Notice the 1040 window that I spoke about last week, that big square block. We have a number of people right there in the window, because actually Indonesia is part of the 1040 window. It's technically included there. So India, Indonesia, Cambodia, China, Iran are all in the 1040 window. So we have a heavy Concentration there in the 1040 window because we are called not only to Jerusalem but to the ends of the earth, and we are called not only to reach but to unreach people groups. So that's why our tactic is heavily invested in the 1040 window. Uh, Notice as well, and you can see in the little uh, thing on the left hand side, we've got it broken down a number of different ways. But notice we have people who are reaching Muslims, people who are reaching Hindus. People who are reaching Buddhists, people who are reaching atheists, and also people who are in post-Christian Eastern Europe, where they've heard the gospel, but it means nothing to them. It's just a cultural thing. And so this is kind of our overall thing that we're trying to work and do. This is how BRCC is trying to put this into effect. And I want to encourage you, I'm going to say this several times today, please be praying for this. It's imperative was it good to hear today that story of what was going on in Iran that is real life if God did not intervene even through that Muslim man that family could have been dead right then on the spot we need to be engaged and praying for exactly that now a couple things I want to point out here if you've been around for a while you may notice a couple of things as of January the first we are no longer supporting the Jacksons in Guatemala and the person we were supporting in china i have to be careful with china i'm not going to say names we're no longer supporting them not because we're against them or anything else but we, we sensed after much prayer god is calling us to redirect a little bit of what we're doing and kind of how we're doing some things and so uh, we love them but we believe god's calling us into a couple of new areas and so we're picking up three new groups um, relative to this Two of them replacing the Jacksons and the, the person in China, but one of them because we're now redesignating the local stuff as local missions and changing kind of how we're doing some things. So we're now picking up uh, Demir Spolargic. Spal- that's tough. See, that's cross-cultural ministry right there, Demir Spolargic, uh, in Croatia, which is post-Christian Eastern Europe, and there's also uh, quite a number of Muslim refugees. Croatia was overflooded with Muslim refugees particularly those trying to get up to Germany and places like that. We're also now supporting James Marzuki down in Indonesia. Many people don't realize this. When we think Islam, we think Middle East, right? There are more Muslims living in Indonesia than the entire Middle East combined. Not even close. Okay? And God is doing a great work. More Muslims have converted in Indonesia than pretty much the rest of the Muslim world combined through all of history. So God is at work there, and we want to be engaged in doing that. We're also picking up a new group in China. They are incredibly effective in their outreach, and we are laboring and working with them. Jer has been over and visited them and seen what's going on, and so I won't talk about them so that it can't be heard, but they are are doing work, and we want to really uh, work to support them. And again, if you notice that box over to the left, you can see, By the type of missionary, like are they doing mercy ministry or evangelism and church planning or discipleship or what are they doing? By the missionary region, where are they working? And then finally by the group's reach. So you can see each group appears a lot of times over there on the left. But if you're interested in a particular thing, if you're just saying, I want to pray for Muslims, well, you can look over there and who are we supporting that's working among Muslims? Or if you're saying, who's doing mercy ministry? We can look and you can see and pray. So I want to encourage you to look at this. Now notice, we've limited this ourselves to about a dozen people. And there's a reason why we do that. Because we've got that strategy, but when it comes down to tax, we can't accomplish everything. And we decided a long time ago, we're not going to be a church that says, well, we're supporting 112 missionaries at $9 a month. We're not going to do that, okay? Each of these groups right now, I think, is receiving 275, right, calling 275 a month, plus we give them other gifts at other times. And we've given a dozen, because I can remember when my kids were young, we actually went around the table a couple of times and just said, start naming missionaries we support, and they could knock off the dozen as young kids because they heard us talk about them all the time and pray for them all the time. A dozen's not too many for us to keep up with. So we want to encourage you please be praying for them. Please keep this before you, whether on your refrigerator, your mirror, wherever, so that we can do that. Uh, And I want to say, you may find one or two of them that you really are interested in, and that's great. There is every kind of ministry imaginable almost going on here, to every place, to every people group. If you can't find something that gets you excited that's a personal heart problem. Not a Bay Ridge didn't offer enough problem. There is plenty enough here for you to find something to get really excited about. It. And maybe you want to give to somebody else on your own, or you want to establish a relationship and write to them on your own. You want to work with them personally. Now, how do we apply this? In the, in the last couple of minutes, I'll close with this, and then we'll pray. So, what does this mean for you and I individually? First question I want to ask based on last week and this are you encouraged by how the mission is being accomplished? Friends, when Jesus spoke to a dozen ragtag apostles, all of whom had fled on the day of his crucifixion, and said, You are going to go to the whole world. You're my chosen vessels. If we would have been there, we'd have said, This is the worst business plan in history. This is awful. What are the odds of this succeeding? With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And from that dozen ragtag unfaithful men, it has spread all across the globe. God has worked. God is keeping his word. The gospel is prospering. You live in a time... Do not listen to all the Christian down-in-the-mouth stuff that is out there. You live in a time where the gospel has never prospered like it is prospering today. There have never been as many Christians. There has never been as high a percentage of Christians. There have never been more churches. The gospel has never been growing at the rate that it's doing right now. And don't listen to anybody who tells you otherwise. It is not true. The gospel is good. Give thanks to God to God every day, whatever else is going on in your life, you should wake up every morning and say, this is what is good. His mercies are new every morning. I was dead in trespasses and sins, and I am alive in Christ Jesus. I was in the kingdom of Satan. I am now in the kingdom of God. I was living on my own way. I am now seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Life is good. Man, we should give thanks to God every day for the gospel and give God thanks that the gospel is spreading. Cultures change, kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, but the gospel has marched on and it will continue to. Nothing is going to happen. I have no idea. If Jesus should tarry another thousand years, who knows what we're going to look like, what technology will be there. I don't know anything. I don't know what countries will be here, but I do know this. The gospel will still be being proclaimed and men and women will still be coming into the kingdom of God because God has promised it and God keeps his word. Are you encouraged by that? That should get us going. No matter what God is saying, when you look at this mission, you may think this looks like too much. It is not too much. The Holy Spirit is powerful and he is still accomplishing his word. Second question. Are you and I radical senders? Remember, I've, been, I've said a few times in this series, there's only three types of Christians. You're either a radical goer, a radical sender, or you are radically disobedient. There is nothing else. So the first question is, am I a radical sender? No one can be uninvolved in the mission. No one can be uninvolved in the mission. So do I radically and regularly pray for the mission of God? Is that what consumes my prayer time? See, uh, I'll use another analogy from John uh, Piper in a great book on, on missions. He said one of the reasons we're not into prayer is we've turned prayer into an intercom to get room service down in the den while we're living our comfy little lives. And prayer's not that. It's a walkie-talkie for war. And we're using it for the wrong thing, and then we wonder why prayer seems so uninteresting. This should consume our prayer. The mission of God, here and abroad, reach and unreach, evangelism, and mercy ministry. That's what you consume. It's, am I radically and regularly praying? Or do I try to keep my mind from wandering when Colleen or whoever is up here praying once a week and that's my missions prayer? Because if that's what it is, then I can check off and say, okay, not being a radical sender, which therefore means I either better get going. Or I'm being radically disobedient. Do I radically and regularly give to missions? Okay, that map costs. It does. For a missionary, for the McClures to be in Cambodia, costs. For us to support the work going on in Croatia and Indonesia, costs. So do we radically and regularly give? Now, if you put money in the plate in BRCC, you are giving because by the end of the year, almost 20% of everything we take in is going to end up going out to missions, okay? But am I radically and regularly giving on top of that? Or am I using it to consume on myself? Here's a question that I have wrestled with, and don't answer this one too quickly. But when I hear I'm getting a raise, What's the first things I think about the money going towards? Stuff or more support for the gospel? Just a question to consider. And I bring these up because we have to etch this on our mind. The eternal souls of billions are at stake. Two billion people Mostly in the 1040 window, right now, this moment, virtually no access to the gospel. And if we don't radically send, they won't get it. They won't make it to them. Am I committed to that? Third and final question, and then we'll pray. Are you a radical? goer. Now, all of us are called to go into our own culture, okay? And again, we can't outsource that. Every one of us are called to be a radical goer when we walk out these doors today. So am I reaching out to others with the good news? Because even if they're here and they live in a reached land, I still need to be personally engaged. And let me tell you, nothing reminds you and stirs up your gratitude for the gospel like telling somebody what God has done for us. Um, So am I doing that? But am I also willing to be a radical goer not to Jerusalem or even Judea and Samaria but to the ends of the earth? Am I willing not just to pull out my favorite power tool, my pen, and say, who do I make the checkout to to support somebody going on short-term mission?" Am I willing to go on short term mission. And these are not generally vacation spots. Okay? I've had the privilege to visit such wonderful places as Bangladesh. Don't put it on your bucket list unless it's for missions work. Niger, Upper Egypt. Okay? We had a bunch of people just go to Cambodia. Are you willing to go? Man, that makes me uncomfortable. And there's nothing in Acts 1-8 about comfort. The Holy Spirit will empower us. Am I willing to go? Finally, is God perhaps calling me to be a radical goer? Permanently. And don't say, no. Every missionary you talk to were pretty shocked when God first started speaking to them. You do realize like babies aren't born with a sticker on their head that says this one will be a missionary. Just regular, everyday folks working the same kind of jobs you and I work and all of a sudden hear God speaking to go. I want to challenge you. Maybe God's calling you to be a radical goer. Maybe he's going to arrest and change your life and send you off in a different path than you'd ever thought possible. And if he does, glory be to God. You realize Abraham was not thinking about being the channel of blessing to the nations when God tapped him on the shoulder. Noah wasn't. Peter wasn't when he was fishing, which is shown by the fact that once Jesus had been raised from the dead, what did Peter go back to doing? Fishing. I'll just fish some more. Okay? That's the way we are. And then God taps on the shoulder and says, I have different plans. Saul of Tarsus thought his life work was destroying the gospel. And God said, not only are you not going to destroy it, I'm going to send you to the farthest corners of the earth. I'm going to send you to nations, all over places, places you've never even thought about. Because I have a plan for you. Maybe God's calling you or I to that. Are we seriously asking him? In any event, whatever it is, you are called to be a radical sender a radical goer, because you and I are not called to be radically disobedient. There is no bench warmer in the mission. We are all part of it. We're going to stand together and we're going to pray. And I want to encourage you to join in prayer with me. Once again, being a radical prayer does not include judging my prayer right now, listening to it, it's you joining in. We're leaving this map up here. because I want you to look at this. This is the mission. From here to the farthest corners of the earth, billions with no access to the gospel. More billions who don't believe. Eternal souls. Companies are going to fade. Empires turn to dust, every person breathing right now will last eternally in the presence of God, or apart from it. So let's radically pray regarding the mission. Father, we are so grateful for the gospel. Lord, we are grateful that we don't live by works, we don't live by law, but rather we live by grace. We live by the gospel. And Father, we could never talk about mission if you had not raised us from the dead. Father, we could never talk about commending to others the good news of Christ if it had not come to us. So Lord, we begin as we always do saying, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God that you not only made us, but you have redeemed us. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness that has saved even us in all of our sin, in all of the ways we have fallen short. Lord, we are so grateful that you have made us your people. We are so grateful that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that we are no longer under your wrath but are under your eternal favor and blessing oh our god what more could we want but father you have given more than even that you have given the holy spirit to dwell inside us you have poured him out on your people and then you have told us that we have been blessed to be a blessing You have told us to be conduits of the gospel from here to the farthest corners of the earth. So Father, I begin by praying for us and for this church and for your church universally that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray our confidence would not be in our abilities our words, our plans or strategies, but rather in the power of your Holy Spirit, that the same Spirit of God who hovered on the waters of chaos and brought out of them order, the same Spirit of God who hovered over that which was dead and made it come to life, that that same Holy Spirit would work in the heart of your people in your church, would fill us with life, would fill us with your power, would fill us with passion for you and your gospel and the lost. And Father, we pray for the lost. O our God, the billions who do not know. Father, those who are laboring to establish their own way to you, who think that their works can save them, Oh, our God, have mercy on them. Send your gospel forth. Let them hear and let their eyes open for the first time on your smiling face because of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for those who have not even heard yet that by your mighty Holy Spirit you would break forth. Father, I pray for Iran. I pray for all those areas in the 1040 window, that those who are closed off and seem to have no access, I pray that this day, Father, by dreams, by your word going forth in an app on a phone, by tracks and pamphlets that have been smuggled in, by running into somebody or Father, if you need, send an angel, God, by every means, oh God, get the gospel to them. And, Father, may your Holy Spirit open their heart. Father, I continue to pray against all of the realms of darkness, Lord, in Buddhism, in Hinduism, in atheism, Father, in the nominalism that's out there and in Islam, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would penetrate through, that light would break into that darkness, and that billions who have not heard would hear, that billions who have not responded would, would hear and come. Lord, your gospel is powerful. It saved us. Father, if you can save us, you can save them. Father, we ask that this week you would continue to stir us up. Lord, we want to be radical senders. We want to be radical goers. We do not want to be radically disobedient. Father, I pray you would fasten on our hearts and our eyes eternity. Lord, on that day, we don't want to stand before you surrounded by the trinkets of this age that are nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. Father, we want to stand before you on that day, and we want to hear, well done, good, and faithful servant. Whatever I gave you, one, five, or ten talents, you invested it in the kingdom. You were part of the mission. Oh, our God, we want to hear that on that day. I pray you would remind us so that this time tomorrow we would be living in light of that. Father, I thank you for all you have done for us. And I pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, I encourage you to receive God's word of blessing and benediction on you. God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You are blessed in Jesus Christ. Go forth and be a blessing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.